your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 559 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And we got a whole lot to do here today, guys. Uh, obviously, this is the first episode, I think, all week where we are not recapping a game from the night prior. Rangers obviously had a very busy month of March, but that kind of leads me into what I wanted to talk about here today. It is March 31st as I'm recording this, and as we've been doing pretty much all season, basically just going to take a look, excuse me, at the preceding month, obviously that would be March, and just share some of my biggest takeaways from the entire month. And obviously, you know, some of them we might uh, spend a good amount of time on. Others might just be a quick mention or two, uh, nothing too elaborate. But yeah, just going to go ahead and go through all the biggest uh, takeaways, positive and negative, from the month of March for the New York Rangers. We also have a trade to talk about that the Rangers made after the trade deadline. This is something that I've been meaning to get to for a while, but the Rangers sent defenseman Tarmo Reunanen to the Carolina Hurricanes after the trade deadline, and I'll explain how that works as well. It probably sounds a little strange hearing that out loud, a trade made after the trade deadline, but that's what the Rangers and Canes did. Like I said, we're going to get into that deal in a lot greater detail in due time here, and I'm also going to give some shout-outs to the eight teams that made it to the Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy League playoffs. We're going to do that at the end of the episode, but for right now, let's go ahead and just hit the ground running here. Going to start with, uh, I would say, my biggest takeaway from the month of March, now that March has pretty much come and gone here, and that is very simply, Chris Jury is one hell of a general manager. Now, let me preface this entire thing by saying that I still believe it was complete nonsense that Jeff Gorton and John Davidson were fired toward the end of last season. These guys led the Rangers through a long, arduous rebuild. Uh, to use a football analogy, those two guys basically got the Rangers to the five-yard line, and then they were taken off the field for some reason. That analogy is something of a work in progress, but I think you get the idea. Uh, they went full-on teardown rebuild, and they didn't quite get to see the fruits of their labor just when it seemed like uh, the tide was beginning to turn for the New York Rangers. They were fired, and of course, former assistant general manager Chris Drury takes over as the general manager. And Drury, you know, even before that happened, he was rumored to, you know, kind of be one of the names that had some buzz around him, uh, around the NHL. There was a situation where I believe he applied, or interviewed rather, to be the Florida Panthers general manager, and I think there was at least one other team that was looking at him as well. There was one instance where he took his own name out of consideration, and there was another where I, I think he just didn't get the job. But bottom line, Chris Jury sooner or later was going to be a general manager. I assumed it was going to be with a different team, and that the Rangers would continue to roll with Jeff Gorton as their general manager, and of course, JD is team president. Instead, uh, again, they were unjustly fired, but Chris Jury, I mean, he didn't fire them. He got an opportunity to become the general manager, and he's taking the ball and run with it here. I know there are some Ranger fans who are never going to get over the fact that Chris Jury traded Pavel Buchnevich for Sammy Blay and a second-round draft pick. You know, Buchnevich was one of those guys who really got better with every passing season and is currently having quite a year for himself in St. Louis. He's got 21 goals and 30 assists for a total of 51 points in 57 games, while 
playing mostly, I believe, on their top line, but certainly a top six role. And obviously, you know, right wing has been something of a weakness for the Rangers this season. Obviously, they uh, addressed that a little bit with the trade deadline. A lot of guys who can uh, play the right wing, you know, Cop, Mott, they can both play the right wing. Frank Vetrano is a bona fide right winger, so they've made themselves better there. Uh, but I certainly can understand the frustration. But uh, when Drury made that trade, I defended the move, and I will continue to do so because, as we've talked about on here, you simply can't keep everybody if you're the New York Rangers or any team around this league. And I don't think there are too many Ranger fans listening to this or otherwise that would rather have Pavel Buchnevich signed to a long-term deal than have somebody like Mika Zibanejad signed long-term or Adam Fox or Igor Shesterkin. All of these guys received extensions prior to this season. So I get the frustration from, you know, all the Buchnevich fans out there, but I also get why Chris Drury did what he did. And by the way, uh, that second-round pick that was acquired in the Buchnevich trade from the St. Louis Blues, that pick was included in the trade that allowed the Rangers to acquire Andrew Kopp. So uh, they seemingly made pretty good use out of it, and uh, obviously Kopp's off to a heck of a start with the Rangers. But seriously, I mean, you look at the job that Chris Drury did at the trade deadline this season. Show me a team in this league that did a better job of improving their squad than the Rangers. You know, it's funny. There was a graphic that was on uh, Twitter the other night, last night, in fact, and I retweeted it on the Locked On Rangers uh, account. Uh, but this really kind of sums up just how good it's been for these new New York Rangers. So you've got Frank Vitrano, Andrew Kopp, Tyler Mott. Those are the three big pickups. Uh, Justin Braun, obviously, has only played in the one game. But Vitrano has played eight games with the Rangers. He's got six points and six hits. Andrew Kopp has played five games for the Rangers, seven points and six hits. Tyler Mott has played five games for the Rangers as well. He has no points, but he's got 18 hits. And that's really just scratching the surface because it seems like all three of those guys in various ways impact the game in a positive way for the New York Rangers. And, you know, at the start of the season and even last season, something that I routinely talked about on this podcast was the Rangers have a really, really top-heavy team. You know, it feels like among their forwards, everybody's either a superstar or they're, you know, like a, a fringe AHL, NHL swingman kind of a player. And I'm exaggerating a little bit to make the point, but when you looked at the way this Ranger team was constructed at the start of the season, that's not much of an exaggeration. They needed more depth. They needed more uh, middle six pieces. They needed some secondary scoring. They needed some guys that could, you know, play multiple roles, uh, Swiss Army Knife kind of players like Andrew Kopp and even Tyler Mott to a lesser extent, and they got it. And Drury got all these players without giving up a significant amount. And I know some people are going to point the Andrew Kopp trade and say, well, you know, they gave up, uh, you know, Morgan Barron and two second round draft picks. Yeah, that's true. But when you look at the trade deadline this season, that was the going rate for a player of Andrew Kopp's quality. I mean, that's that's what these guys were going for. And I know that, uh, you know, the second round pick, the one of them can become a first round pick if the Rangers make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But be that as it may, that's a good problem to have because if that happens, then the Rangers are in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's pretty awesome. So uh, Drury, again, I thought he did just a fantastic job making this team significantly better, getting them the depth pieces that they absolutely needed to add at the trade deadline, doing so at the zero hour in the case of both Cop and Mott. Uh, those trades were not announced until maybe about 10 or 15 minutes tops were remaining uh, between uh, the trade deadline portion of the season and the post-trade deadline portion of the season. So a uh, fantastic job. Cannot say enough about the job that he did bringing all these guys, making the Rangers a significantly better team and not giving up significant draft capital, not giving up significant prospects in order to do so. Just an absolutely outstanding job. Now, the one trade that he made that maybe hasn't quite worked out uh, all that great just yet is Justin Braun. You know, the Rangers gave up a third round pick to get him, but 
you guys kind of sold me on Justin Braun a little bit. I mean, I, I'm still steadfast in my belief that uh, I'm not convinced that he is a massive upgrade on Braden Schrader or even really an upgrade at all, but he is somebody who's playoff battle-tested, and he does give you some more depth on the blue line because, as some of you guys pointed out, you know, the Rangers, the six defensemen they're rolling with right now, they're playing pretty well, obviously. Uh, you know, all, all six of them really contributing in a positive way for this New York Ranger team, but... All it takes is for one of them to get injured or, you know, a COVID bout or an illness, whatever it might be, and they have to come out of the lineup. And then you could be in a situation come playoff time where you have to either put Zach Jones or Libor Hayek into the lineup. Now, I don't think that would be a guaranteed train wreck. I mean, Zach Jones at times has shown well for himself when he's played for the Rangers. And Libor Hayek, you know, I know Ranger fans get on him. I don't think he's nearly as bad of a defenseman as a lot of Ranger fans seem to think that he is, but Justin Braun is certainly a step up from both of those two players, uh, at least for the time being. Certainly, in the long term, Zach Jones has a heck of a lot more upside than Justin Braun, but he might not quite be there yet, so I don't mind you know, having somebody available to the Rangers who has played, I believe, 100 exactly Stanley Cup playoff games. So, uh, overall, you know, great, great trade deadline for Chris Jury, and I was looking at some of the other moves made around the deadline. There are not too many teams that could even hold a candle to the Rangers in terms of how much better they made themselves. You know, the Avalanche had a nice uh, trade deadline, bringing in Arturi Lekkonen and Josh Manson. I think there was one other player as well. A couple of depth pieces making themselves better, kind of fortifying themselves for what they hope will be a run to the Stanley Cup and what is essentially a Stanley Cup or bust season for that squad. I think certainly you have to look at the Florida Panthers, adding both Ben Sherratt and Claude Giroux. I mean, you talk about just absolutely pushing your chips in and going for it. But once again, the players that the Rangers brought in, in terms of both both what they needed and in terms of not giving up a crazy amount to get these guys into New York, uh, you cannot say enough about the job that Chris Drury did at this trade deadline this season. So that's just one of the takeaways. We're getting to a bunch more uh, in just a second here. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it is America's number one meal kit. Get farm fresh, seasonal produce, and easy-to-make recipes delivered right to your door every day of the week. Ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week, so they always arrive fresh, all without a trip to the grocery store or farmer's market. It's all about convenience with HelloFresh. Not only do ingredients come pre-portioned so you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on the table in a snap with options like family-friendly or quick and easy recipes. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and use code LockedOn16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and use code LockedOn16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is also brought to you by Built Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 2 to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 
4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKS15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, and just wanted to thank you guys for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So this next big takeaway from Marge definitely kind of goes hand-in-hand with the one that I just talked about. But, yeah, Ranger free agency, that whole situation, as far as how they should handle their impending unrestricted free agents, that just got a whole lot more complicated. Because before the deadline, the only really big question regarding Ranger impending UFAs was, will or won't the Rangers re-sign Ryan Strom? And should they or shouldn't they? You know, maybe they could let him walk if he's asking for too much, or, you know, maybe you pony up the dough because you see uh, what he's done alongside Artemi Panera in these last few years here. Uh, So that was obviously a question, and it still remains a question because can the Rangers and Ryan Strom meet in the middle at a number that is fair for both sides, or has that bridge kind of been burned and and the Rangers are giving up on that and he's going to be on his way in free agency? These are all questions that still need to be answered. But, you know, besides Strom, pre-deadline, of course, the only other impending UFAs for the Rangers were Kevin Rooney and Greg McKaig, and there are decisions to be made there as well. But obviously, I don't think that Rooney or McKaig are necessarily going to make or break your franchise. So Strom really, you know, before the deadline was the only really big decision in terms of, you know, should we bring this guy back or do we let him walk? After everything that happened at the deadline, it has become quite a lot more complicated, obviously in a good way because the Rangers added some uh, some really nice complimentary pieces, some really good players, guys that are going to be able to help this team down the stretch and presumably into the playoffs as well. We just talked about them a second ago, uh, talking about all the moves that Jury made, but you've got Andrew Kopp. I mean, this guy's playing out of his mind. He's going out there and winning faceoffs. He's logging a ton of minutes on the Ranger penalty kill. He's somebody that can play all three of the forward positions. You can saw him in pretty comfortably in the top six role, and I have to uh, start to wonder here if part of the reason why the Rangers didn't bring in Andrew Kopp, and I kind of had this thought even when they did it, but maybe even now so more than ever, part of the reason could be that this is a plan B for Ryan Strom. And again, I'm not going to have a knee-jerk reaction here. I know Kopp is off to a heck of a start with the Rangers. It is just a handful of games, so we've seen Ryan Strom play very, very well for this team over the past couple of seasons here. So by no means am I pushing Ryan Strom out the door and saying, oh, this guy's no good. Get rid of him. Let's just re-sign Kopp and do this, that, and the other thing. But I will say this. Ryan Strom... After this season, I think he ends up getting more money per season than Andrew Kopp will end up getting. Uh, Ryan Strom is playing out a two-year deal that pays him $4.5 million per season. Andrew Kopp is currently only making $3.64 million per season. And we talked to Harrison of Locked On Winnipeg Jets and kind of just got his opinions on Andrew Kopp and did our best to try to get to know Kopp a little bit better after that trade was made. But he made it sound like, you know, the, the Jets were at least somewhat interested in re-signing him. And it sounds like they may have even had an offer on the table. I'd have to go back and listen to the episode to remember the exact years and dollars. But I think he said a five-year deal at $4 million a pop, or it was the opposite of that, where it was four years and $5 million a pop. I, again, I would have to look back and, and see for sure. But 
you know, Cop, he's going to get a little bit of a, a raise. You know, he's currently making $3.64 million, as I just discussed. Uh, Ryan Strom, $4.5 million. I think he could be looking at maybe getting $5.5 million, maybe $6 million. So that might be out of the Rangers' price range. And if Strom walks, then maybe they feel like Andrew Cop becomes, you know, again, a solid replacement for Ryan Strom, somebody that could uh, presumably play that second-line center role going forward. But I actually just went back and watched our episode with Harrison from Locked on Jets. He mentioned that Andrew Kopp was offered a uh, four-year deal worth $5 million per season. So if he turned that down, I mean, he's almost getting to, you know, Ryan Strom levels as far as, uh, you know, how many years and how many dollars he's going to command. So it might be difficult for the Rangers to re-sign him. I mean, maybe you, if you're the Rangers, you can bring down the average annual value a little bit and tack on an extra year or two. I mean, would you do like, I don't know, six years for Andrew Kopp and, you know, pay him maybe about four and a half million dollars per season? Is that too much? Is that too long of an investment? I mean, he is only 27 years old. So even such a contract would only take him into his age 33 season. And, uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll, break all these numbers down on a different day, but I definitely think the Rangers, uh, part of the reason they dealt for him was to, once again, have a little bit of a plan B for Ryan Strom if they cannot retain him. And then as for uh, Tyler Mott, you know, again, this guy is just a buzzsaw out there and somebody who, uh, you know, again, just uh, plays the game hard, rounds out the bottom six in a really effective way. He can kill some penalties. He's just a very, very tenacious player and somebody who, as I mentioned in our most recent episode, has very quickly become one of my favorite players. Uh, he's making just $1.225 million this season. And of course, he is also an impending unrestricted free agent. I mean, do the Rangers look to bring him back? Because, you know, that's, that's a bargain. You know, from what I've seen from Tyler Mott, the fact that he's only making uh, basically $1.2 million a season, yeah, that's an absolute steal. I would imagine he would get uh, at least a small raise from that. And there's kind of a trickle-down effect here when, when it comes to these players because, you know, if the Rangers don't re-sign Ryan Strom, then there's a better chance of them re-signing Andrew Kopp. If they don't re-sign either of those players, then there's a better chance of them re-signing Tyler Mott because, you know, going from Strom to Kopp to Mott... I, I think you're going uh, less and less expensive, you know, down that down that line there, so to speak. So uh, that's an option. You know, maybe if the Rangers miss out on both Strom and Kopp, then maybe that increases Tyler Mott's uh, chances of sticking around. And Frank Vitrano's another one. And if I was going to, like, rank him among these other impending UFAs here and, you know, who would make the most amount of money, who would get the smallest contract of these four players, I would say, once again, Strom would probably get the most, followed by Kopp, followed by, I would say, then Vitrano and then Mott. And Vitrano right now... Uh, he is obviously in the last year of his contract as well. He's making $2.533333 million. So he might be in line for a raise as well. But once again, if you miss out on Stroman Cop, and not necessarily miss out, but if you choose not to resign those players, then once again, it kind of opens the door to hang on to a Frank Vetrano and or a Tyler Mott because they would presumably cost less than guys like Strom and Cop. It's a very, very fascinating situation to keep tabs on. There's probably people listening to this that have their personal favorites, you know, relative to how much money it would take to hang on to some of these guys. And, you know, it's an interesting situation. Would you rather hang on to Ryan Strom, who would be the most expensive, as well as Tyler Mott, who might be the least expensive? Or would you go for the two guys in the middle? Would you go for Andrew Kopp and Frank Vetrano? It's very interesting to think about, and there's a ton of different ways this whole thing could play out. I'm going to do my best to just enjoy the rest of the season, not stress too much about it. Obviously, I don't think there's any way the Rangers can possibly keep all four of these guys, but obviously that's a, a situation and a debate 
for a future episode for sure. We could spend an entire episode debating about this topic. We could probably do multiple episodes talking about this topic. And we will certainly uh, point the spotlight at all the impending unrestricted free agents for the New York Rangers in the offseason. Uh, but for now, I want to keep the list moving along here as far as our biggest takeaways from the month of March. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting, wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, back to the biggest takeaways for the month of March here. We're going to Start to speed these up a little bit. I got some rapid fire ones that I'm going to kind of just go through quickly here to uh, conclude today's episode. But uh, one that's kind of stood out for me, especially over these last handful of games here, Alexi Lafreniere is on the verge of a breakout at the NHL level. He has no points in either of his last two games, but in the seven games prior to that, or excuse me, the six games prior to that, he had a total of seven points, and he's just been generally more noticeable as this season has continued. It's been a very gradual process for Alexi Lafreniere, but he is getting there. I realize, you know, everybody threw around the term generational talent, and everybody expects him to be Connor McDavid right away. That obviously did not happen, but you're talking about a 20-year-old who's got a real shot at a 20-goal season, currently has 15 goals. He's done this while playing with a whole bunch of different line mates. He's done this while uh, not always having a ton of ice time. He's done this while playing on the left wing as well as the right wing. And right now, or at least uh, as recently as two games ago, and I think this is still the case, Alexi Lafreniere is second on the New York Rangers for most even strength goals. The only person that he trails is obviously Chris Kreider. So he's getting there. And like I said, it's been a little bit more gradual than a lot of Ranger fans probably would have liked, but he's finding it. And I, I think you're going to see Alexi Lafreniere just continue to get better and better and better. And, you know, his point totals might not be uh, eye-popping when the season ends, but as we've talked about before on this podcast, especially in New York, whatever the sport might be, if you have a big postseason, then nobody cares about what happened in the regular season. You can make yourself uh, an instant, I don't want to say legend, but yeah, I mean, you honestly kind of can. You know, if you if you come on in a big way in the playoffs and you lead your team to a championship or you play a huge role in your team winning a championship, then yeah, that's pretty much what happens. You become an instant legend, uh, especially in New York. So Lafreniere's getting there. And uh, like I said, hoping that he just continues to develop down the stretch here. Uh, again, he's moved up and down the lineup, found success with different players, you know, since the All-Star break here. And uh, obviously, if he delivers in the playoffs, then uh, that's going to be huge for him going forward. And it's going to be huge for the New York Rangers in this year's postseason tournament. I would also like to say, another big takeaway here, the Rangers' third line is playing better and is more solidified than it has been all season. You know, that trio right now of Philip Heal, Alexi Lafreniere, and Barclay Goodrow, they've looked pretty good together. And I got to give a shout out to Dan. You know, Dan DMs me on Twitter every now and then. He pointed out that he really thinks that uh, Heedle and Lafreniere have good chemistry. And he mentioned that to me right before the recent game where, you know, Heedle made a really nice pass to Lafreniere to set up Lafreniere for a really nice goal from the doorstep. But they're finding it together. Uh, Philip Heedle has played better than he's played all season. Barkley Goodrow adds a little bit of, uh, obviously, grit and toughness to that line as well. But, you know, the days of, you know, just this third line floundering and, and just 
you know, you'd be surprised if they would uh, actually do something positive. Those days are gone. You know, as things currently stand, I expect this uh, third line to play good hockey on a night in and night out basis. If they get on the score sheet, that's just a bonus. But for too long this season, uh, you'd look at the Ranger third line, whoever the Rangers were putting out there, and it was just like, man, there's just not a very good chance that anything that special is going to happen. But now, yeah, that third line can bring it. And on any given night, they can be the difference makers in a positive way for this New York Ranger team. Another big takeaway from the month of March for me is that the Rangers can be elite NHL teams. Not only can they go toe-to-toe with them, they can flat-out defeat them, and defeat them uh, often convincingly. You know, earlier this season, this was definitely something of a concern. It felt like the Rangers, you know, basically for the entire first half of the season, they would always take care of business against the not-so-good teams, and that's great. You know, that's obviously a sign of a team that uh, brings it every night, doesn't play down to the competition, and beats the teams that it should beat, and that's how they ended up banking a whole ton of points in the first half of the season when they won 11 out of 12 games. But there was some concern about, like, well, can the Rangers, you know, can they do it against the really good teams? Can they do it against the bona fide Stanley Cup contending teams? And when you look at the month of March here, I think the answer to that question is a resounding yes. The Rangers in the month of March played eight games against teams that are currently in playoff position. They played two games against the Blues. They played two against the Penguins, one against the Wild, one against the Stars, one against the Lightning, and one against the Hurricanes. The Rangers, in those eight games, went 6-2. and two. And what's really impressive about this, I mean, aside from the fact that, once again, they went 6-2 and two against these playoff teams and, in many cases, bona fide Stanley Cup contenders here— The Raiders are winning these games in a lot of different ways. You know, some of them are at home, some are on the road, some are high-scoring games, some are low-scoring games. Uh, A few of them, the Raiders absolutely dominated. Others were tight, basically, throughout the entire game. Uh, Some of these games have seen the Raiders lead for the entire game. Others have seen the Raiders rally to come back and win the game after trailing early in the contest. So, uh, just great stuff, and once again, proof that... I think at least it's all the proof that you need that the Rangers once again can compete with and ultimately defeat the best of the best that this league has to offer, which is obviously very, very encouraging going into the playoffs. And it's much different from what we saw earlier this season, because again, earlier in the year, yes, they would take care of business against the not so good teams, but they weren't really getting the job done against the good teams. And they have flipped the script as far as that storyline is concerned, uh, especially here in the month of March. And by the way, the Rangers' overall record in the month of March was 11-4. and four. So obviously it was a heck of a month, and I probably should have mentioned that before, you know, the 26-minute mark here or whatever we're at. But uh, better late than never. Again, just a fantastic month uh, for the Rangers by any measure. Something else that I wanted to mention as far as a takeaway from March, though, is that Jacob Truba is going to be an absolute monster for this team when the Stanley Cup playoffs begin. I briefly mentioned this in a fairly recent episode here, but Jacob Truba is at his absolute best when the Rangers are playing a division rival and the physicality picks up, the overall pace of the game picks up. You know, there's a little bit of extracurriculars after the whistle. It's hard hitting. It's a little bit nasty. That's when Jacob Truba thrives and is at his absolute best. And All those things I just mentioned a second ago, that just sounds like I'm describing a Stanley Cup playoff game. So I think we're going to see Jacob Truba in absolute beast mode when the playoffs begin for the New York Rangers. I know there's some Ranger fans that occasionally get on him, uh, but again, this is somebody that has delivered all season. He's already set a uh, new career high with 174 shots on goal. He has tied his career high in goals with 10. He's got 23 assists. That's the second most of his career, plus minus something of a flawed stat, but Plus 20, that's a new career best for Jacob Truba, or at least it would be, you know, if he ends as a plus 20 this season. 
And I mentioned in the preseason, you know, coming into the year that I was hoping that some of these Ranger defensemen would shoot the puck a little bit more often. Truba's got a rocket of a slap shot. And uh, for that matter, so too does his defense partner, Ke'Andre Miller. And uh, Truba's been shooting the puck more often. As I mentioned, a new career high, 174 shots on goal. He's also set a new career high in hits with 188. I mean, this guy is a vicious hitter, but it's always clean. Uh, he's also got 152 block shots, third most in his career, and he's played all 68 games. So for the Truman naysayers, once again, I present the question to you guys, what more do you want from this guy? He's become just a stellar player for this New York Ranger team. And like I said, you know, the, the hotter the temperature, the better this guy plays. The more the intensity picks up and the nastiness picks up, the more that this guy is at his best. And once again, I, I think we're going to see another prime example of that come playoff time uh, as it pertains to Jacob Truba. Another big takeaway from the month of March for me is that Igor Shesterkin is indeed human. He reminded us of this fact in the middle of March. You know, he went through a kind of a tough five-game stretch there where he gave up 16 goals in five games. And I think the low point of that five-game stretch was when he got just absolutely shelled by the Devils. Uh, and it was the final game of those five games that I just mentioned there. But they just had that nightmare of a second period there. Not that he had a ton of help, but he wasn't at his best either. And, of course, he gets pulled. Alex Guriev ends up playing in the third period. Look, it's really hard for a team, and specifically, I think, uh, an individual player, and even more specifically, a goalie, to go through an entire NHL season and not have any valleys whatsoever. Igor had a mini valley there. Better that it happened now and uh, not in the playoffs. And He kind of gets that little bit of a bad stretch out of, out of the way because I think he's already turned the corner. You know, his last two games both against the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's allowed just three total goals in those two games while facing 45 shots. And he's come up clutch. You know, he made just an amazing save with about 15 seconds left in the game that the Rangers won 3-2 to two against the Penguins. And the only goal goals, excuse me, that he's allowed in those two games were all, you know, either deflections or he was screened or both. Uh, they haven't really been able to beat him clean in either of those two games. And I think Igor Shesterkin is back to his old self. And like I said, just a minor bump in the road. It happens. The guy's not a machine as much as, you know, he leads us to believe that he is sometimes. He is human. Went through a little bit of a rough patch, but I would say he's probably already out of it. And once again, the Vesna uh, front runner and somebody that certainly needs to be in the conversation for the Hart Trophy as well. And then uh, to just shift gears here at the end of the episode, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the recent trade by the New York Rangers. They send defenseman Tarmo Reuninen to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for center Maxim Letinov. And it's a fairly minor deal. And the way this works, you know, post-trade deadline trades can occur. As I understand it, uh, any trade that happens after the deadline, though, the players involved in that trade are not eligible to play in the playoffs uh, for the team that acquires them. And not that either of these guys are probably going to do that anyway. But for the Rangers, I think it's a good move. You know, Tarmo Reuninen, uh, 24 years old, former fourth-round pick by the Rangers back in 2016, going number 98 overall. And uh, we saw him get a little cup of coffee with the Rangers toward the end of last season, skated in four games, had an assist, uh, was a plus one, five shots on goal, four hits, and 13 minutes and 16 seconds of ice time per night. He's played fairly well in the AHL this season, 17 points in 40 games with the Wolfpack. But you know, this is somebody that was a mid-round draft pick. And when you look at the Ranger defenseman right now and just how crowded it is and how many prospects they have, uh, it comes down to something that we talk about quite a bit on this podcast, and it's that you know, there's only so many spots to go around. Teams only dress six defensemen, or in some cases seven, but usually six on their NHL team on any given night. Where are you going to fit Tarmo Reunion in, into this? I mean, you look at the top four, Fox, Lindgren, Truba, Miller. They're all here fairly long-term. They're all great players. Uh, Braden Schneider is coming into his own. The Rangers would seemingly still have big plans for Zach Jones and or Nils Lundqvist. 
You've got Libor Hayek, who's still there. You've got Patrick Nemeth, who's still there. I mean, where are you going to fit? And, and Braun as well. Braun was brought in via trade. So where exactly does Tarmo Reunion fit into this picture? It'd be really hard to see uh, the Rangers working him in there and him carving out a role for himself. But they get in exchange Maxim Letinov. Once again, a center, 26 years old, a former second-round pick by the St. Louis Blues back in 2014. He went number 52 overall. He's only skated in three career NHL games. That all occurred in 2019-2020 with the San Jose Sharks. He had a goal uh, in that three-game stint there. And for the most part, has been an AHL player. He's a big kid, uh, six foot four, 180 pounds. It's worth a flyer. You know, again, former second-round draft pick, and the Rangers had nowhere to put Tarmo Reunion in. So to bring in a center, which is a position where the Rangers have been kind of thin, I think it makes all the sense in the world for them to do that. I mean, we'll see. He'll, he'll probably uh, be in camp next season for the Rangers. I would think he'd certainly be facing an uphill battle to make the team, but I suppose that crazier things have happened, and I think he deserves an opportunity just like everybody else. And as far as, you know, what he's done in the AHL throughout his career, he's played exactly 200 AHL games. Uh, he just played his first game with the Hartford Wolfpack as of this recording. That was game number 200 for Letinoff. He's got 49 goals and 57 assists in that time for a total of 106 points in 200 games. He's a minus 15 during that time as well. And again, somebody who I think it's at least worth a flyer. He's a lefty shot for, you know, whatever that's worth. But again, the Rangers, they were never going to have room for Tarmo Reunanen. I just don't really think it would have panned out. And so hopefully Reunanen can get a better opportunity with the Hurricanes than he would have had uh, with the Rangers. And Letinoff, again, worth a flyer. Are, is he going to develop into a Hall of Famer? Probably not, but he's Gives you some organizational depth and should be a solid piece for the Hartford Wolfpack going forward. And uh, again, we'll see if he's in the mix to at least compete for a roster spot next season. And then the only other thing I wanted to do today before we call it is uh, to give a shout out to the eight teams in the Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy League that made it into the playoffs. It's a 20-team league, so making the playoffs is no easy task, but you know, eight owners were able to do that. And I want to go ahead and just kind of run through the matchups real quick here and give a shout-out to all eight players that made the uh, fantasy playoffs. But anybody who didn't make it, uh, shout-out to you guys as well. It's always a ton of fun uh, playing in this fantasy league with you guys and just having some fun and talking some hockey. The uh, Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy Draft is one of my favorite uh, nights of the year uh, as far as the season calendar is concerned. It's always a good time. And uh, again, props to everybody that played and especially those who made the playoffs. But once again, to just kind of run through the quarterfinal matchups here, uh, you've got the top-seeded Jiggly Wigglies, coached by Constantine. Uh, they are taking on number eight-seeded DJ Zabad, who are coached by Pascal. And for anybody who doesn't get that reference, Mika Zabanajad, his, his side hustle, he's actually a DJ on the side. In the offseason, I, I think he DJs at some clubs in New York or whatever it might be. I, I know he's dabbled in DJing, so that's a great team name as well. But uh, Jiggly Wigglies, you know, it's Friday, and the way this works is whoever wins the most stats, you know, you know, skater stats as well as goalie stats, gets the win and advances into the next round of the playoffs. The top-seeded Jiggly Wigglies holding a small 5-4 to four edge on DJ Zabad, so that one could certainly still go either way. Uh, and then, as far as the other quarterfinal matchups, you've got the number two-seeded Team Iceland, coached by yours truly. That's obviously a nod to the villainous team in the uh, second Mighty Ducks movie. I am playing uh, my friend, actually, somebody. He's the only person in this league who I actually uh, knew before starting Locked on New York Rangers, my good friend Justin Grieco. So naturally, we end up playing each other in the first round of the playoffs here. He coaches Kreider. I hardly know her. 
and he is the seven seed, and I currently have an eight to nothing lead on my good friend Justin. I'm not going to talk any smack yet because this stuff can always change as the week progresses here, but uh, Team Iceland off to a pretty solid start for me, uh, at least thus far. We've also got the number three seeded Marcus's team, coached by Marcus. They are taking on No Regretskis, the number six seed, coached by TJ. And currently, TJ holding a very slim 5-4 to four lead against Marcus's team, though once again a game that could certainly go either way here. And then in our fourth and final quarterfinal matchup, we've got the number four seeded Bull Duguay, coached by Eddie. They are taking on the number five seeded Messier's Ganja, uh, coached by Noel. And uh, currently, Messier's Ganja leading Bull Duquet uh, by a score of 6-2. to two. But once again, a matchup that could certainly go either way. And just kind of looking forward to seeing how this whole thing plays out and who ultimately emerges as the Locked on New York Rangers Fantasy League champion. Again, just wanted to give a shout out to everybody who once again participated and uh, certainly those who made it to the playoffs of the Locked on New York Reindeer Fantasy League. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about everything that happens between the Rangers and Islanders on Friday night. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Rodine and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.